This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The Calgary Flames continue their four-game homestand. Flames continue the four-game homestand coming up tomorrow afternoon at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Hockey Day in Canada. All seven Canadian teams in action. They'll take on the Tampa Bay Lightning to wrap up their season series. Their first matchup came back in November. Was a 4-1 win for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay coming off of a loss last night at the hands of the Edmonton Oilers. Before that, they were in the midst of a five-game winning streak. And John Cooper has his group in a nice spot heading into the NHL's All-Star break. So stun you to know that the Tampa Bay Lightning once again find themselves in a playoff spot in the Atlantic Division. And looking down the barrel of potentially another round one matchup against the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's Logan Gordon along with you here on Sportsnet today. And uh, very pleased to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. And welcome in former NHLer, one-time Calgary Flame, uh, Brian Engblom from the Tampa Bay Lightning broadcast crew to uh, help us talk about this uh, Tampa Bay team uh, this afternoon. Brian, thanks so much for doing this, man. How are you today? I'm doing great, thanks. I'm enjoying a little cold weather for a change. Uh, we've had uh, a bit of it, certainly on this road trip. This is the fifth stop in the five-game trip. We go home right to- tomorrow right after the game. I'm glad it's a one o'clock game. <laughs> we'll be home before midnight, which is great. Um, but, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been nice to visit the cold weather for a change. Yeah, and as you know, being a Manitoba boy yourself, Brian, this is uh, this is pretty good weather for a prairie winter in, oh, yeah. in January. You guys could have come here to much worse conditions. No doubt. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. I, I, the, uh, even my buddies that I stay in contact with in Winnipeg, they say it's not as bad even in Winnipeg in, in the middle of January where it used to be you know 20 below morning, noon, and night or yeah. worse for about a two-week stretch right about this time of year. And they said it just, it, as a rule, just doesn't get that cold and stay that cold anymore. So they're, they're pretty happy about that. Yeah, I'm glad it's a, a nice change of pace for you from the uh, the regular Florida weather. Uh, last yeah. night uh, up the road in Edmonton, the Tampa Bay Lightning taking on the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, a real premier matchup there against Edmonton uh, between Tampa Bay. It was a good matchup, Brian. Lots of heat between the two teams. We saw a couple of scraps. We saw some physical moments. Give me a a breakdown of what happened last night in the 5-3 loss for Tampa Bay. Edmonton got off to a better start. Um, the Lightning were, I don't know, a combination of tired, flat, whatever, second game of the back-to-back, and you lose the hour going from Vancouver to Edmonton. Everybody goes through that. I, mm-hmm. I know that, but it certainly showed. Edmonton was smart. They came out with some pop early on. And so Pat Maroon did what he does. Um, he drags everybody into it. So who does he... Yeah, to say he went after McDavid is, is a little much, but all he did was trip him and kind of push his elbow out at him a little bit, but he dropped him down to the ice. Well, of course, the entire place went crazy, and uh, he got a penalty. But what it did, and it, it really sparked things. Now everybody jumps in because as soon as you touch Connor, it's like touching a great player on, on any team. Yeah, But he's the marquee guy. And that's what Patty Maroon does. I love him for it. I said it right away. Out of boy, Patty. I said it when I was doing radio last night because it was a national game in the U.S. And I said, out of boy, Patty. That's, that's what you do. He's got a great sense of when to do it and how to do it. He knew they were flat. He knew they weren't going anywhere. And they're running around in their own end. And they just didn't have any juice. Well, when that happens, right, the adrenaline starts to go. Later, later on, um, there was another scrap. Uh, that was what the second period, Corey Perry and Nurse. So it, it, you know, went on from there. And the Lightning tied it up. They were down 2 nothing. They were down, I think it was 3-1. to one. They came back and tied it 3-3. Three, three. Not an easy thing in that building. You guys see it a lot more often, obviously, than we do. Um, but unusual when East plays West, you don't see that a lot just because there isn't, 
enough. There aren't enough games in between to build up that animosity. But because of this situation, and uh, Maroon just dragged the rest of the team into it, yeah, it got pretty spirited. Um, and then McDavid scored a key goal, uh, as, as he can do. And that really, you know, that was the edge that gave him back the one-goal lead. And then, you know, there were empty nets and whatever. But I give the Lightning credit for, for coming back and literally battling back and getting themselves into the game and tying the game up. So there were some good things for them. But it certainly wasn't their best effort either. And last night was the end of a five-game winning streak for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, a really good road trip for them so far, but one that included a pretty cool moment in Vancouver for Captain Steven Stamkos. Brian, take us through the, the scene in Vancouver. He gets the hat trick, but he obviously hits the career milestone of 500 goals. And what that must have meant for a guy like Steven who's gone through so many ups and downs in his career with, with Tampa Bay and without the injuries, it sure seemed as though his teammates rushing off the bench were sure appreciative and willing to, to celebrate that moment with their captain. Yeah, first of all, did you know you have to have permission to do that? Otherwise, you get fined and all kinds of stuff. So you I did not know that. NHL. Yeah, you have to ask the NHL for permission. And they had done that about a week ago because he's been on the verge for so long. But, yes, you do have to ask permission, and, and it was granted. Uh, they did the same thing for Bergeron when he got 1,000 points. So that was actually against the Lightning. Yes. When the Boston were in Tampa. That was a while back. But, yeah, you have to ask permission, which I think is, is pretty cool. It keeps things under control. And, and uh, I, I think they give it pretty easily. And for a 500-goal guy, you know what's going to happen. So, at any rate, there's no better person than Steven Stamkos. Hockey aside, he is absolutely a terrific guy. Um, and he's a, a great captain. I mean, every accolade you want to give any any player in the National Hockey League, you can give to Steven. Um, he's a terrific, great leader in the room, on the ice, on the bench, says the right thing, very intelligent. And then there's the hockey stuff on top of it. So he's extremely well-liked. Uh, by everybody. Uh, he also knows when to stand up in the room and say things that need to be said. Um, but when he scored that goal and he had been pressing, oh my goodness. And he'd been down that road before, right? I mean, he's a 60 goal scorer and he talked about when, you know, when you're at, when you're at 49 goals, you don't want a season to end at 49. It was funny. When you're at 59 goals, you don't want a season to end at 59. And, and uh, so he was feeling it. I mean, the good thing was, that this wasn't game 81 of the year, right? It's the middle of the year. So yeah. it was just a matter of time. But the tension was really building for all of us. And, you know, we just wanted to see it. Uh, was it three? Uh, begin the first game of the trip in St. Louis. He missed an empty fan on an empty net from about 10, minute, 10 feet inside the blue line. I mean, you know, he doesn't do that, right? So was there a little tension? Yeah. yeah. And he had a ton of great chances. I mean, he got robbed. He could have had it three games earlier. He was shooting the one-timers, the chances, everything, trying to stay patient. A couple of times he came back to the bench, and you could see his teammates sort of look at him and then look straight ahead. And then he burst out laughing one time. It was like, are you kidding me? Like the hockey gods just weren't ready yet. But when he scored the goal, it was a beauty. He was really happy. It was a great pass and move by Kalorn, one of his good friends on the team. And he said afterwards he was really happy that it was, you know, a terrific goal on a nice play that ended up being his 500. But you know that Stephen has, like, I don't, and this is without a word of a lie. I, I saw this years ago. They saw on TSN, I think it was, they sat him down a few years ago, and I think he had 300 and something goals mm -hmm. at that time. And, and he remembers virtually every goal he had scored at that point. They said, come on, you can't. And so I think they randomly put, Okay, what was goal 227? You were in St. Louis or, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. I don't remember the exact thing. He remembered the play, and then they showed the replay. Jeez. I mean, who, who does that? Who does that? I'll bet you he remembers a ton of his 500 goals now. It's, it's ridiculous. That's, it's incredible, and especially when you're already at, you know, 502 as Steven's at, and you add in all the international ones and all the other ones he scored throughout his life. It's pretty yeah. incredible, and as you said, I haven't heard a single person with a, a bad word to say about him, and he went through some pretty tough times in Tampa Bay. I don't think a lot of people remember because of the recent Stanley Cups, Brian, it's probably even before some of your time with Tampa Bay, but it wasn't always great days for Tampa Bay when he was the captain there. He was the lone guy on the ship for a while. Yes. Um, 
he played with some great players when he first came in. He always gives a ton of credit to Marty St. Louis, whom he played with when he was a rookie. And Marty taught him a lot about how to prepare, how to, you know, the things on the ice, how to get open, you know, how to get those opportunities, um, what, what the NHL game was all about, how to be a pro, et cetera, et cetera. He always gives Marty a ton of credit. And Vinny LeCavalier, they were both on the team. But they, they didn't have a very strong team, no doubt. He scored 60 goals a couple, of game, excuse me, a couple of years into his career. So, I mean, he was a gunner, and he knew it. He came into the league. That's why he was the number one pick overall. He's a shooter. But his game has been well-rounded for the last several years. Um, he comes out on face-offs. Uh, um, in penalty killing situations, um, that shows a lot about him. He'll he'll block shots. Um, he has scored some, you know, just dynamic goals. Uh, in in the bubble, he was injured again, and he only played one one shift, I believe, against Dallas. He scored a goal, came down the wing and scored a goal. It was so dramatic, it was ridiculous. And then he had to go back and sit on the bench. He's you know he's broken his leg. Uh, which caused him, you know, a major uh, to have a major comeback. That was years ago. Then he had that strange blood clot situation in his shoulder, which was dangerous and kept him out for a long time. That was only a handful of years ago. So when when he's had things happen to him, they've been dramatic and they've been intense and they've kept him out for a long time. So I haven't looked it up lately how many games he's missed in his career, but I'm guessing he's missed, a, you know, 100, you know, something like that, at least in his career. So how many more goals could he have scored, you know, if he had been healthy all the way along? But that's the NHL, right? I mean, that's that's life. It's your fate. And uh, you have to admire him for how hard he had to work each time in order to come back and get back to that next level. And then last year, he gets over 100 points. That's the first time in his career he's had 100 points. And at his age, to do that is another remarkable feat. Brian, uh, we're just past the halfway mark of the NHL season so far. We're approaching the NHL's all-star break. 44 games in the books so far for Tampa Bay. When you look at this team, they're, they're not a lot different from, from last year. There's a couple of major pieces that have changed that I want to ask you about. But 44 games into the season, do you have a pretty good feel for what kind of group this is that John Cooper's got going so far? Yeah, they've they've certainly improved. Um, you know, they they've lost a lot of really good players over the last couple of years that helped them win the cups and get to the finals last year. And that's that's just the way it is in the NHL, right? Salary cap times, you just can't keep anybody. Hey, look, you guys have Blake Coleman from the Lightning, and you know, good reason was he was so dynamic and dramatic and so good. He earned himself a really good contract, which the Lightning would have loved to have given him, but just couldn't afford him. Um, Ryan McDonough, you know, is gone from this team this year, and he was absolutely a pillar, you know, uh, as far as locker room and on the ice. Same thing. They just couldn't afford to keep him anymore. So you've had some dramatic blows to the psyche of the team over the last couple of years. That's, that's the, the problem you have when you have success and players have success. So they, they keep having to bring guys in. Um, I don't think that process is done. Uh, I don't, for any, any NHL team, I don't think it's almost ever done. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Julian Breesbois wants to do and what he can do between now and the trade deadline. Some of the things that he's done, and again, Blake Coleman's a great example uh, in past years about you know bringing in the right kind of guy at the right time and finding a way to make it work. And uh, so... Um, I'm really interested to see what he can do. Are, are they as, as quite at the same level as they have been, say, two years ago when they won the Cup? They're not quite as tight. So they, I think they know they still have some work to do. Their road record certainly is not as good. They're working on that on this road trip with a really strong – that was the first loss on the road. So they're 3-1 on, on the road in this five-game trip, and they'd love to finish it with another one here in Calgary. That's another thing. I heard you pointing out that they're right behind Toronto and the possibilities of a matchup against the Leafs again, and probably starting in Toronto, just like last year, are you know very relevant and something that could happen again. So uh, they prepare themselves uh, for that right now, but it's going to be really interesting to watch what the team looks like by the time the deadline is finished. 
Uh, one of those guys that we, we've mentioned in here in passing is one of those guys that they've lost is, is Ryan McDonough, and that's a, a massive change for this group. I'm curious from your perspective, Brian, who you've seen step up most for this team uh, since they, they moved on from Ryan in the offseason. It's a collective effort. I, I can't say that there is, there is one guy. Um, the okay. one guy that really has taken a step forward is uh, Mikhail Sergachev. I mean, he was always like the third guy. It was Hedman, McDonough, and Sergey. They're all left-handed, although Sergeyev could play the right side and did with both of those guys at certain times in the game and still does. He can play both sides. Not many guys can anymore. But So he has had more, more duties, more situations of matchup, more of this, more of that, and he was waiting for it. He's chomping at the bit. So he's had a really good year, and that's good for him. Um, and then you have guy Ian Cole, uh, they brought in this year, has actually done a really nice job. And they had to figure out who was going to play with whom. And he has fit in with Eric Chernak. Chernak used to play with McDonough, and they were the shutdown pair. Real classic style, you know, stay on your side for the most part, defend the blue line, harden the corners, blah, 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 blah. So that's the Chernak style. Ian Cole likes to play that way too. They had played Chernak with Hedman a lot early on in the season. They would like that for that to have worked. He'd played with Hedy sometimes before, but Victor Hedman's a different breed. You know, he's an uh, elite player who you let him roam and you let him do whatever he wants. And sometimes he'll cross the ice and swallow a play up just because he can. Well, that doesn't work real well with Chernak. So Chernak and, and, and Ian Cole ended up together. So, uh, you have that process going on. And then, you know, uh, Hedman is Hedman. Uh, Bogosian has been, he's been good when he's been in, but he's been injured a couple of times. I hope he gets healthy. So that will be interesting. Uh, they have uh, Hayden Fleury and uh, Cal Foote are kind of the, you know, the six, seven guys um, who, you know, who is going to be in on any given night. It varies. They're still trying to find some footing. And that'll be interesting to see going all the way down the stretch, uh, see who's playing with whom and, and how much. Uh, and always love to chat about this next guy. He's a fan favorite here in Calgary, even though he's uh, never played for the Calgary Flames. It's the Calgary boy, uh, Braden Point. Uh, I've, I've contested Brian for a while now. I think he's one of the, the most underappreciated NHLers uh, around the league right now. He's up to 49 points in 44 games this season. Just how important is Braden point to what the Tampa Bay lightning are as a team. I'm really glad you brought him up. I absolutely love that guy. I mean, he is just salt, salt of the earth person. Um, And you know, that's where it starts. What a hockey player. Yeah. He does not get enough credit. He's gotten, you know, way more acclaim because of the cup wins and the finals. And everybody notices a lot more, right. When you go into the playoffs and then when you go all the way and you win, they all of a sudden go, Oh, you're, you know, you're seeing that guy all the time. He is the tra- literally the transmission of the offense. He has got about seven different gears. It's, it's like a Ferrari going up the ice. You can hear the gears changing. One of the best skaters in the National Hockey League. It's, it's, I, I mean, I love watching the guy play. He's an automatic exit out of the zone. He just grabs it, and, and you're out. You go through the neutral zone, and he's pretty much an automatic entry into the offensive zone as well, too. Plays with Kucherov, so all he needs is one or two give-and-goes, and they they dazzle whichever defenseman they picked as a victim. And uh, it's fascinating to watch. Braden's got terrific hands, uh, really understands the game. He's learned a lot, he's told me, from from Kucherov. Kucherov's one of the brilliant minds probably ever to play the game. And virtually every shift, they come back to the bench, they, they grab the tablet, and it's usually Cooch that's talking. And they, they review virtually every shift they have. And uh, so they, they talk about how to get open, where to go, what's the timing, uh, all that kind of stuff. Braden is the, is the transmission. And then, you know, the, uh, the brains of the operation is Kucherov. And then whoever else is on that other wing is going to get some great chances. And, you know, you go with them. And it's been Brandon Hagel, who's had a fabulous season, by the way, and has really been good on that line, should not be overlooked. But I absolutely love Braden Point. One of the reasons they lost last year to Colorado Avalanche is what Braden was hurt and could only play in two games, and he was injured in those two games. Had he been in the lineup, I would have put odds on the Lightning winning three straight Stanley Cups. Absolutely. 
Brian, thanks so much for the time today. I really do appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow. Always great to have you back uh, in the city of Calgary and safe travels back to Tampa Bay after the game, eh? Uh, it's great to be back. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for the time. Brian Engblom, former NHLer and broadcaster with the Tampa Bay Lightning, kind enough to give us some time down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. The Tampa Bay Lightning in town tomorrow afternoon as the Flames kick off Hockey Day in Canada with a 1 o'clock puck drop against the, uh, the, against the Tampa Bay Lightning and uh, should be a great game. Tampa coming off of a loss to the Oilers last night, 5-3 up the road in Edmonton. Uh, Before that, it was a five-game winning streak uh, for Tampa, who currently finds themselves third spot in the Atlantic Division. They're four points back of Toronto, but they have two games in hand, both of them chasing down the Boston Bruins. So as we talked about there, you could be looking at uh, Tampa Bay and Toronto in round one uh, once again, and I don't know how Maple Leafs fans would feel about that. Uh, They can't seem to get away from Tampa Bay when it comes to this playoff format, but Surely to some great round one matchups. We'll see if that persists as the second half of the season continues. From a Calgary Flames perspective, we're talking uh, the big news today. Jacob Pelche on a line with Walker Dewar and Trevor Lewis at practice. Perhaps he's set to make his NHL debut tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon in that game against Tampa Bay. Uh, he wasn't saying anything. Uh, Kirk Muller, associate coach who did media, in place of Daryl Sutter today, wasn't saying anything, but uh, it sounds as though it's a good chance he might make his NHL debut tomorrow. Uh, let's hear from the young man, Jacob Pelche. He spoke to the media following practice at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome a little bit earlier on today. Well, we can only base by what we see out there in practice lines, but what would it mean to you to get in for an NHL debut? It's nice. I mean, uh, I know uh, just, just uh, to... Uh, to be here, uh, it's it's kind of crazy, and yeah. Do you know if you're in tomorrow? I'm not 100% sure, so uh, yeah. What has the experience like been up here as you wait? Because no doubt it's hard to be patient. Being up here has to feel great, but being patient and waiting has to be another. Oh, of course, but I mean, uh, you know, just just to be here, just to be, uh, you know, with the with the the, the big boys, uh, it's been. Uh, Crazy, and you know, for me to pass the 12, 12 or thirteen days, been uh, just, uh, um, just you know, uh, kind of crazy again. Yeah. What do you What do you learn by watching from above? What do you see in the gameplay or um, differences between the AHL and the NHL from above? Well, you know, I think they play, uh, you know, more here. They play once every two days, so I think uh, you, you have to uh, bring your your A game each each day, and yeah. If If you get a chance, do you feel like? You're ready to play an NHL game? Yeah, of course. I mean, the, the past year and, and a half uh, with the A-team was to, to learn how to be a pro. Uh, the past 12 or 13 days here, it's uh, it's the, the probably is the the, uh, the same thing. And uh, to m- maybe get, get a chance to play, uh, I think, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you've seen, you know, on social media or whatever, when a guy goes out and gets the couple of laps. Yeah. So when you see those clips, what, what goes through your head? Probably to not fall, uh, to be honest. But uh, yeah, uh, I think you know it's great, and uh, we'll see what's going to happen for tomorrow's game. When Are there any uh, particular guys on the team that you've had chats with, or that you've been getting advice from or learning from? Uh, I talk a lot uh, with uh, Johnny, but uh, besides that, you know, I talk with Dusky a lot, uh, Mac. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you do get in. What do you want to try and do? Obviously, consistency and preparation, I understand that. But when you get in to try and play your game, how do you get in there and try and be an impactful player? I think the most important thing is, is going to be to compete. Uh, you know, it's a good team. So uh, I think to to compete uh, each uh, uh, each uh, presence, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be one of the main, main things, sorry. Will there be nerves, or will there be, let's just get it going? Uh, probably nerves, uh, but again, uh, I'm not sure if I'm playing or not, yeah. so we'll see what's going to happen tomorrow. What's the coolest thing you've learned uh, from being up with these guys compared to what life is in the AHL for you? Uh, well, you know, uh, to go out with the boys, you know, to eat supper and steak, and, and then uh, see the bill at the end, you're like, Phew. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of expensive. Right? I hope they didn't make you pay for you. Uh, no, 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 no. So yeah.
I guess for, for you, like, you know, you've, you've been in the organization for a couple of years. This kind of experience can be kind of nerve-wracking. Is it helpful for you that, you know, a lot of guys you play with in the AHL are here, they've been through the kind of thing you're going through right now? Have they been able to help out with, uh, with sort of uh, the nerves and stuff? Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, just the first practice, uh, I think we were in St. Louis. I was like, come on, come on, pelts, come on, pelts, you know. But, uh, you know, uh, guys have been uh, great, and uh, they, uh, they all, you know, kind of, Helped me uh, towards uh, uh, playing and you know uh, and practicing with with the, their pace. So yeah, obviously when you're when you're down, you talk to the guys who've been up about what the experience is like. Is this what you expected it to be? Yeah, I mean I talked to Philly a lot when he was here uh, for two weeks or so, and he was saying like guys are 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 great and stuff. So yeah, just being around NHLers and, and seeing how they prepare and go about their business. What kind of things do you learn and, and pick up? Oh, I think it's you know, I think you have to bring your your game, uh, your 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 A game each night. Uh, you know, uh, they're playing a lot of games in the past two weeks, and uh, you know, just to to see them, uh, you know, st- uh, st- stretching and uh, practicing like like they're uh, like they're doing. It's uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty great, yeah. Are you uh, are you superstitious at all? Do you wear a, a lucky suit to the rink? If, like, uh, like no, 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 no. Okay. If you're in the lineup, what does that? Do you think your family could make that quick turnaround to come see you? Uh, too. Yeah, probably. Uh, but again, I think we'll, we'll see what's going to happen. There you go, Jacob Pelche speaking to the media today following practice. Maybe enough time to get family in town for an NHL debut tomorrow afternoon. We'll see. He wasn't, uh, if he does know, he wasn't giving anything to the media, and you can't blame him for that. The Flames being pretty tight-lipped on this one ahead of tomorrow's game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. He might make his NHL debut uh, tomorrow afternoon as part of the Flames and the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. We'll end off hour two and end off the week, the perfect way to end off the week. We'll have a chat with our pal Adnan Ver from MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. That's coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. I can't think of a better way to end off the week. Heading into a weekend, some warm weather coming up in the city of Calgary, and warm for us. Not warm for for Brian Engblom and the Tampa Bay Lightning, who we just talked to earlier this hour, but warm for us. That's what matters. Yeah. Uh, There's really just no better way to head into this this great weekend, NHL hockey, divisional weekend in the NFL, than capping it off with a chat with our pal from MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. Very happy to chat with our pal Adnan Verk on a Friday. Verk, how are you, pal? Logan, I'm doing great, brother. The weekend is almost here. Hopefully some great football ahead of us. It's been an eventful week. I can't wait, man. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. And uh, I imagine, where are the nerves uh, for you? Are you getting excited for uh, your Eagles-Giants? Are you at that anticipation level yet, or are you still waiting until tomorrow? No, you're going to love this. All week I've been kind of nervous and just, you know, because – Philadelphia's the better team. There's no question about it. If Hertz is healthy and ready to go, we can get Lane Johnson back, a couple other guys. I'm like, we're going to beat the Giants at home. But, of course, anything can happen in football, a couple turnovers. If Hertz is not 100%, if he gets hurt, God forbid, in the game, Jones looked great uh, in his previous outing. Uh, Philadelphia's linebackers in the secondary, I do think, are a little bit susceptible. So you start to get, and I, I don't know about you, but I find as each day gets closer, you get a little queasier, right? When it's yeah. a mirage in the distance, you say, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. Once it gets closer, you go, eh, you never know. Like, like, we should win by a touchdown. We should win by 10 points. Like, we're the better team. And you start to kind of get a little bit nervous. But here's the interesting subplot. I'm going to actually be in Montreal this weekend. A good buddy of mine from my days at the score, our man Sonny, is getting married. So bachelor party in Montreal. Now, they had booked this week months in advance. Exactly. You know where this is going. Booked this months in advance. And by the way, his his friends are doing an amazing job. There's like 18 guys on an email thread. I recognize a few of the guys from the score days. Nobody that you would know. It's not like, you know, Cabby or McAllister or those guys. But <laughs> yeah. all good dudes. Uh, I, I do, I, actually, I do believe James Sharman making the trip. But I always remember the footy show. Okay, yeah. Great job on the score. I'm sure James is still in, Yeah, Sharman's still involved in soccer, I'm sure, in Canada. Um, anyways, so I hadn't even thought about it. 
with a football. And then one of my best friends who's coming along as well, everybody, Chicote, he texted me last year, and he's a huge Bills fan. And he goes, hey, we're going to win draw next week. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, um, one of our teams is probably playing Saturday night. The whole point of this trip, Logan, is Sonny is a massive Leafs fan. And so it's Leafs-Habs tomorrow night, 7 Eastern. So originally I was like, well, the football will be on, but whatever. Like, the Eagles won't be playing. I'm like, and when the schedule came out, I go, oh, my God, 8.15 Eastern, smack dab in the middle. So I immediately texted him. I go, hey, I'm coming. I'm taking a flight tomorrow morning from LaGuardia. Can't wait to see you. We're going to go out for dinner. We'll go out afterwards. But I have to be honest, Leafs-Habs at 7, I'll come for two periods, and then I'm going to have to dip because the Eagles came in at 8.15. He goes, no problem. Is it actually in the Bell Center? They have like a – I haven't been in years. I've been to the Bell Center once. When Lemieux came back, again, I had a friend who was a diehard Habs fan. He said, we got to go. I'm like, all right, I've never been to see a game in Montreal, which is really an event if you haven't gone as a, as a hockey fan. But he said there's like a huge sports bar complex somewhere within there. So it, just imagine this scene. You know, Leafs are up or the Habs are up after two birds. There's Adnan Burke scurrying to a sports <laughs> bar in the Bell Center just begging them to put on Eagles and Giants <laughs> so I can watch my guys. Or, or, or worse yet, I'm on the streets of Montreal, like desperate to find a sports bar just so I can watch the Eagles and Giants while the Leafs and Habs are going on. See, now, are you going to be the guy going to the game in a Jalen Hurts jersey, or are we going to be able to spot you in the Bell Center crowd in your Jalen Hurts number one jersey, or is that going to be too far? No, I can't be that guy. That's right. But it's always hysterical to me when people show up. I'm like, you realize they're not playing, right? No, I just want to rep Jalen Hurts wherever I can. I know, but Austin Matthews is playing in this game. I don't care. I'm repping Jalen Hurts. Okay, fine. Here we go. But I, uh, like I said, I haven't been to see a Habs game. In, I mean, when did Mario come back? It's probably been like 20 years, right? When yep. he made that big return coming back from Hodgkin. So I, I'm just pumped up to A, be in the great city of Montreal, B, see a Habs game. And I don't know what's on the rest of the itinerary. I just kind of go along with the rest of the crew. But like I said, it's like 18 and 20 of us. So. Poutine will be consumed. I'm sure some smoked wheat will be as well. Yep. I'm sure some adult beverages, especially for <laughs> Sunny. So it's, uh, it's going to be a fun weekend in Montreal. But, but most importantly for me, 8.15 Eastern, I'm going to have to get to a TV and watch Eagles-Giants. Well, it's so interesting, too, looking at it last week. We had all these massive spreads on a couple of games, and none of them turned out that way. Now, it's a big spread for the Eagles and Giants. Last I saw was Eagles favored by eight points. The good news is you're not the biggest spread Chiefs still have, I think, close to nine and a half or ten points up on the Jaguars. But thinking back to last weekend, the big spreads didn't help anybody. They still got the wins, you know, for the Bills and the Bengals, especially. But man, it wasn't nearly the blowout last weekend that we thought it was going to be. No, it's amazing looking back at that weekend of games. And I remember, I can't remember I said to you, or I said to our friends at the Fan Five Ninety in Toronto on my weekly radio hits. But I remember thinking, hey, the best game of the weekend. I kept saying it's going to be Cowboys Buccaneers. Obviously, Tom Brady against America's team, which you love or hate, in Tampa. And that game was horrendous. Cowboys completely ran roughshod over them. Dak was fantastic. Brady looked atrocious. Like, you watch that game just in a vacuum. You say, who the hell would want Tom Brady as their quarterback? Like, he looked terrible. And the whole team was bad. But, of course, he's going to keep playing because that's who Tom Brady is. And I had said the second best game of the weekend is going to be the Chargers and Jaguars. And I went to bed. Shame on me, Logan, here on the East Coast. Around 11 o'clock, early third quarter, I'm like, you know what? The Jags ain't coming back. And I always turn my phone off at night, which some people argue you shouldn't do that because, you know, what if something happens, you need to get a hold of it. Like, whatever, somebody will get a hold of me at some point. Mm. I'm turning my phone off. When I turned my phone back on at 6 a.m., I had a couple of texts from Eagles fans who simply wrote Dougie P! Exclamation <laughs> point. I said, well, there's only Dougie P. It's got to be Doug Peterson. And then I see this girl. I'm like, what? The Jaguars came back? Now, at least I do DVR football games, so I, I pretended I didn't know, and I told my eldest son who's into it, hey, watch what happened in the game. He had no idea. And we're like, oh, my God. But to your overarching point, if the Jaguars can come back from 27 to nothing, then anything is possible. Yes, the Chiefs should win by 10 points. They win by two touchdowns. Like the, the Chiefs beat them earlier in the season, and KC had three turnovers in that game. But those are the two biggest things that worry me. It's always turnovers and injuries. If Mahomes gets hurt, or Mahomes throws four picks like Lawrence did in the first half, well, then the game changes. And I would be wary to underestimate Jacksonville. I feel like the script goes one of two ways. Either they pull off a shocking late-season renaissance, a winning streak to win the division, and then upset the Chargers in dramatic fashion, and then go on to pull off a massive upset of a case, which I can't see happening, or at the very least, hang tough with them. Or they had this winning streak late in the season, they beat the Chargers, who are known for being chokes, and then Casey blows the doors off them. Like, I have a tough time imagining it being a three-point game. I think Casey wins this, like, 31-17. But again, I would not underestimate Jacksonville after what they went through a week ago.
Despite the four picks last week against the Chargers, do you see Trevor Lawrence joining that elite company of young AFC quarterback that so many people talk about now, Adnan? Is he getting there for you? I think so. I mean, if, when you kind of have that, that balance of poise and moxie, and that really goes a long way towards making me believe that you can do it. Like, a lot of these guys have the physical gifts. There's no question, strong arms, and they're in good shape, and can make all the different plays and mobile. Like that's the biggest thing too. I noticed that watching Brady, I said, man, the game has just passed him by because now mobility is so critical, whether it's Hertz or Mahomes or any of these, or Dak Prescott, like any of these star quarterbacks, like they can move. And, it, and it's not just like, you know, John Elway could scramble a little bit and run for five yards in the famous helicopter spin in the Super Bowl. Like these guys can actually, like you call drop plays for them. Like that's how good they are as running quarterbacks. And with Lawrence, again, he's not going to be the guy who's running for seven yards, but he can make some plays. And again, by time, when you watch Brady, he looks like a statue, like he's a mobile back there. So I think for Lawrence, speaking of your young quarterback, you have to have signature wins, signature moments on a big stage. And everyone says, you got to take this guy seriously. And conversely, it's frustrating for Herbert because everyone loves this guy for good reason. His numbers are eye-popping. You feel like he's the next big thing, but the team around him just isn't good enough, and they suffer another fatal choke. But I think you watch that game and don't say to yourself, it's too bad Herbert could win. You go, no, Herbert's great once again. Yes, the Chargers choked, but, man, give it up for Lawrence. Like he, That showed a lot of mental toughness. You throw four picks, it's pretty easy to just take your ball and go home. But whatever Doug Peterson said to him in the half, what gave him the magic elixir, drank some good Gatorade because they came back a different team in that second half, and, and they chipped away and eventually got it done. How emotional do you think it's going to be in Buffalo on Sunday? We finally get Bills Bengals after what happened with DeMar Hamlin a couple weeks ago, and here we are now in the postseason with the Bills hosting it. Potentially we see DeMar Hamlin you know, come to the stadium and fire that crowd up. For me, it's the matchup of the weekend and uh, the one that I'm most excited for her to watch. Oh, yeah. The fact that, I mean, it is so scary what happened. And I remember, I didn't see it live. I was watching the game. I stepped away, but again, I DVR all football games. I was flipping. No, I was, I was watching Canada. It was, it was the World Juniors. And I was watching, I believe, Canada, Slovakia. It was quarterfinals. And I flipped over for a bit, and then I went back, and I just saw, like, them filling time. It was Susie and Booker and Adam. And I was like, why, why are they going back to them? And I said, let me just rewind what happened. And I'm watching it live. Going, oh, my God. Like, you, I saw it once. I go, okay, I never want to see it again. I almost kind of knew in that moment, I said, no one's ever going to show this again. God forbid if this is, ends up being a fatal injury. And to think we went from that moment where you said, okay, I might have just seen a player literally die on my television screen. A football player who is a young, fast, handsome, talented young man. He may have just suffered literally an injury, which cost him his life or maybe it's not the injury, it's cardiac arrest, et cetera. To go from that moment as morbid and as disturbing and surreal as it was to now saying, oh, no, he's going to live. Like, oh, that's incredible. I'm like, oh, and he, like, he's, he's on his own. I'm like, wait, what? Like, he's, he's not only alive, he's out of the hospital, and he may actually be at the gate. I'm like, that is just – I mean, you talk about Hollywood stories, Hollywood endings, ups and downs. That is a crescendo I couldn't even imagine. Like, try to put you – literally, close your eyes, put yourself in those shoes. Imagine you, Logan Gordon, had some sort of cardiac episode, almost died, and then two weeks later was back to work. Like, it, it, it's shocking to even think about. But thank God it's going to happen – and you're right. If you don't have a dog in the race, every year you look around and go, okay, well, what's the cool story? Generally, it's the older quarterback who hasn't won. If you look at baseball, you say, I remember one year, two years ago, 2020, I said, man, I'm really cheering for Clayton Kershaw. I think he's a good dude. He's never won a World Series. He's had a lot of playoff flops. I really hope that guy gets a World Series. And then he did. And you look at whatever sport it is, you generally feel like you're cheering for the old graybeard. In this instance, that's not the case. You're cheering for the Bills because of that young man. He's still alive, and he's still fighting for his life. And for the great people of Buffalo, long-suffering franchise, yet to get their Super Bowl. Josh Allen, the heartbreak of a year ago. Who doesn't want to see Bills Chiefs? And I think for young Damar Hamlin, it's just an amazing story to have him back. Are you with um, Joe Mixon in saying that it's disrespectful for the league to be selling tickets to a potential neutral site between the Bills and the Chiefs? Uh, before that game gets announced? Because I think the Bengals are kind of using this as, you know, maybe some bulletin board material ahead of the game. But I think from a logistics standpoint, Adnan, I think from an NFL perspective, there's really nothing they can do 
if, if that's going to happen on a neutral site, they have to be prepared for it. I think Joe Mixon and company are just kind of looking for a little extra edge heading into this game. I think you nailed it, Logo. I, I mean, as you just said, what else are they supposed to do? Like, I, I don't like a neutral site, to be clear. I, I, there's nothing I like about that. I've heard people say in baseball, what do you think about neutral sites for the World Series, like warm weather places? Uh, you know, Texas has a gorgeous stadium now. Of course, it's indoors. What about Miami, places like Dodger Stadium? And I'm like, no, like I hate that. One of the great joys of sports is seeing the home field and home field advantage and home court advantage. And oftentimes it's overrated. You see it in baseball. It's like 55% success rate. It's really not that big a deal, but it's still really cool when the Yankees take the field and you see everyone in pinstripes going nuts. And particularly in football, like when you get to this time of year and it's cold outside, there's nothing better than the average nine to five or finishing up his work week and spending time with family and then going, okay, honey, it's time to watch some football. And you turn the TV on and it's 70,000 wearing red, waving towels at Arrowhead. Or it's Orchard Park, New York, and you got 70,000 Buffalo Bills fans and it's snowing and cold. You go, it's just an incredible sight. It's part of what makes football so special is the weather, is the environment, whether it's Lambeau Field or any of those other places I mentioned, Soldier Field, et cetera. So it's not going to be the same. Like neutral city, kind of go, all right, like well, what is this, 50-50 Chiefs, 50% Bills, 70-30, 80-20? Like it, it really just isn't going to be the same, and it's annoying and it's frustrating, but what else were they supposed to do? Like you had this horrific situation involving Tamar Hamlin. It didn't feel right to keep playing that night. It certainly didn't feel like you can just pick this thing up in a few days. It's not like other sports, right? Hockey, baseball, basketball, you could have said, all right, boys, take three days, play a game, take three days, I'll play another game. Like, we'll figure this out. Can't do it in football. It just exerts too much of a physical toll. And I think the league was smart to say, let's not play this again. What are we doing? Give them both a tie, whatever it is, move on. We'll figure out the neutral site. So I'm with you. I think Knicks and the Bengals use them whenever they can. And good for them. Motivation comes in all different forms. If you want to utilize that, because if you ask the average fan, they want to see Bill's Chiefs neutral site or not. Mm-hmm. And I imagine, not that it could take much for you to cheer against the Cowboys, but the potential of you know the last pick in the draft going up in an NFC Championship game, potentially in Philadelphia against your Eagles, has to be incredibly satisfying if you're uh, Adnan Verk heading into this weekend. You've got to be all in on the 49ers, right? Oh my God, yeah. I mean, it's Again, you look at each match. If you said Jaguars, Chiefs, you go, hey, I'll pay any time to watch Mahomes play, but I don't really think the Jaguars can hang. Eagles, Giants, I am severely invested. I think most football fans go, hey, that's a great rivalry. It'll be fun when they're rolling in the video of LT and Randall Cunningham and all the rest of it. And then when you get to Sunday, Bengals, Bills feels compelling because, again, what drives the sport? Quarterbacks. You've got two great ones in Burrow and Allen. But I'm with you, Logan. Again, the casual football fan just looks at the slate and goes, Cowboys 49ers, are you kidding me? You get chills when you start thinking about those 90s matchups, Steve Young scrambling the pocket, and Charles Haley and Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith and all the rest of Roger Craig. Like it's, That's going to be awesome. Like I can't wait to see it. And as a notorious Cowboys hater, you're absolutely right. I hope the 49ers just, just I was going to say blow the doors off them, but I kind of want to go the other way. I hope they just suck the life out of them. Like <laughs> That 49ers defense is amazing. Like I was looking at all of their stats. And go, they are like a bullet constrictor. So I'm actually hoping for, you know, you think I would say like 37 to nothing. No, no, I actually want like a, a 21 to three game. Like I want to see Dak Prescott get picked off a few times, get sacked, beaten up, running game held to like 48 yards on 18 carries. Like nothing would make me happier than to see this Dallas high octane machine, which looked fabulous against the Buccaneers. Like just like shredded them, like shredded cheese. I would love to see the Niners just suck the life of them. And then, you know, Purdy do his thing and George Kittle and Devo Samuel and all the rest of it. But th- th- nothing would make me happier if, if, if the Niners win and do it, but it just, it just crushed the soul of the Cowboys. Having said that, if I had a, if I had a wish, if I could have a you know, call upstairs to the big guy and say, hey, okay, this actually would really be my dream, is the Eagles beat the Giants and then the Eagles Cowboys and we roast those guys. But I have to be smart as a sports fan. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to take that risk. Logan, could you imagine the pain? If the Eagles beat the Giants, I, I work, as you know, I, literally, I think, five minutes from the Meadowlands. Every yeah. day I drive to work, I go by East Rutherford, New Jersey. I'm surrounded by Giants fans. I go to school, I wear an Eagles toque. Like, everyone knows this guy's an Eagles fan. Like, I'm going to have to wear it if we lose the Giants. Nothing could be worse if we beat the Giants but then lost the Cowboys. 
Like, you have to look risk versus reward. Like, oh. yes, it would be amazing to beat both New York and Dallas to go to the Super Bowl, yeah. but to lose to one of them is beyond painful. So let's beat the Giants. Let's hope the Niners beat the stuffing out of the Cowboys. And let's just go Eagles-Niners, which for anybody is the most compelling matchup. Again, as you know, I, I'm not a gambler, but I always love looking at the lines because they're smarter than us. And the favorite to win the Super Bowl in the NFC is a lock right now. It's like a dead heat, plus 165, Niners and Eagles, which should be a great game if it happens. Yeah, that's the worst possible thing that you can do, especially in the NFL, because you don't want to be on the other side of walking the Cowboys into a Super Bowl, because then you have, not only are they in the championship game and a chance to win it at an end, but you've got two weeks of pure Dak Prescott hype train, Jerry Jones is going to be on every interview station in the world telling you how good his Cowboys are and how good it felt to beat the Eagles. And Adnan, you'll just be ripping your hair out. You won't listen to anything. You'll be locked in your house. And I wouldn't blame you because that would be the worst possible scenario of all time. You'd love for them to kick their ass and hand them the loss. But you're right. The right call (laughs) is for the 49ers to do it and avoid all that personal shame that could happen. Yeah, you know, in every sport, I look at my teams, it's generally my love of the team that comes furthest. Meaning in hockey, you know, I love the Flyers. And yes, I hate the Rangers and Bruins, but I love the Flyers. Football is the only one for years I used to tell myself, I'm like, you know, I don't know if you love the Eagles more or you hate the Cowboys and Giants more. Even Washington in the division, I, I don't like them. I don't despise them. But I'm like, the joy that I get from an Eagles victory is that comparable to the joy I get from a Cowboys and Giants defeat. Now, the question was answered when Philly won the Super Bowl. I said, no, no, this is much more euphoric, much more pleasant than seeing Dallas go like, you know, 5-11 and 11 or something. But to your point, you have to look at risk versus reward, worst-case scenarios. To go back to the World Juniors, again, I work on NHL Network. I should be cheering for America, working in America. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, Canada, USA, if we lose the Americans, like, I, I don't want to wear that. Like, I have to go to work and hear this taunting. Like, no, we have to win this game. And thankfully, after a couple of disallowed goals and Canada flexing our authority, we beat them. But when it comes down to personal pride and ego, like take the safe choice. Like you said, I can't run the risk of Dallas no. Philly not going no. my way. It ruined my week, exactly. my month. Oh, you, you love. We all love winning. Like let's get that right. We all love to win, but it's it's the losing. It's and it's the losing to them. Right? There's always we all have that team as sports fans that you just put as like I, I love beating them, but God, do I hate losing to them even more and it just it makes your blood boil and your blood pressure go up when it's them right there's just something about the way that they do business and i feel like for eagles fans it's got to be the cowboys oh yeah and i keep thinking again as a tv guy what the ratings would be i'm like historically the nfc east teams always do well these are major markets New York, Philadelphia, Dallas, Washington. Yeah. Like an Eagles, Cowboys, NFC championship, you're getting 50 million people watching that game. It would be amazing to see them go head-to-head. Uh, last one for you, and before we let you go on this Friday, uh, the MLB offseason continues uh, with some interesting moves. How about this one this afternoon? The Twins moving on from AL batting champion Luis Arreyes, sending him in a major deal to the Marlins. Pablo Lopez going back. Minnesota getting two prospects, including one top-ranked player, as part of the deal. Um, it's a big move for the Twins, uh, all things considered. Uh, Luis had a great season last year, and to send him to Miami is a, a pretty massive move for that franchise. Love it for both sides. For Minnesota, huge Rocco Valdelli fan, great guy, former manager of the year. They needed some starting pitching. When you looked at their pitching, there was nothing that tantalizing about the likes of Kenta Maeda and Joe Ryan. They, they clearly needed another guy. And Pablo Lopez, if you look at last season, the first two months of the year, he was your signing award winner. Like, he was incredible. Then the second half, it came down to earth a little bit. But he's a guy that can get you a three-and-a-half ERA when you're 14 games and strike out 180 to 200. So if he's not an ace, he can definitely be an outstanding number two. And I think in that Twins rotation, he'll either be the ace or number two. Now, of course, Sandy Alcantara is the best pitcher on that Marlins staff, on the side, but he's a step above. But the Marlins have great pitching depth. Like, you can trade Lopez because you have Alcantara and about five other prospects who any other team would be drooling over. Now, prospects are prospects. Sometimes those guys don't pan out. But I'm telling you, Miami is very rich when it comes to starting pitching. What they needed was offense. Enter Luis Arise. When you're the Marlins, when you're the Twins, you can't necessarily play with the big boys. Minnesota was able to re-sign Correa, only after two other deals fell apart 
with the Giants and the Mets. Like for a small market team, Minnesota pulling up two hundred million dollars for Correa. It's a lot of money. Now after that, hey, you know, there's nothing left in the register. We gotta get creative right now. Arise is a potential batting champion, so that really helps Miami. Their offense clearly needed a boost. Deal strength for someone else's strength. Minnesota says, hey, we need a starting pitcher. Let's get Lopez. Miami has plenty of starting pitchers. And for the Marlins, they needed some offense, and Arise will deliver that. So I actually think this is one of those rare win-win moves for both sides. Well done by both front offices. Uh, it'll be a win-win when you leave the uh, Habs and Leafs this after uh, this weekend and go off and watch your Eagles beat the Giants. Uh, I'm hoping for you. I'm rooting for you. Uh, I got my fair share of embarrassment last week when my Chargers uh, left that uh, article in oh. the bed and continued to uh, question my sanity every week while I cheer for them. But uh, I'm Team Eagles now, Adnan. I'm all on board for another championship for your boys. Have a great weekend in Montreal, man. Have some fun. Can't wait to chat with you next week, eh? No, I appreciate it, brother. I was going through my hand. I go, how many Chargers fans do I know? I swear. I started going through all these different radio stations. That work. I go, no, Pat the Bucks fan. Yep. Will the Jets fan. I go, oh, that's right. Logan. Logan Chargers fan. It's, just, it's painful, man. But hopefully you grow from it. You build from it. <laughs> Herbert's unbelievable. One question for you. Yes. 815 Eastern is the Eagles kickoff. The Habs game, you know, puck drop 705. Do I wait until after the second period when the, you know, looks more and more respectful to then go watch the game? Or with like five minutes left in the second, eight fifteen, do I get up from my chair and go right to find the sports? Club? I think you go. I think you're committed to yeah. to the other event, and as much fun as it is at a Leafs and Habs game on Saturday, I think you got to get there for kickoff and get there. So don't worry. Five minutes left, they won't know if you're going for a bathroom break or if you're going for another beer. So I think you'll be okay. Yeah, I love it. This guy paid. I think I'm paying like 180 bucks for this ticket. I paid 180 <laughs> bucks to watch half of the Leafs Habs game just so I can watch the Eagles game. Amazing. <laughs> Hopefully they win for you, buddy. Have a great weekend, eh? <laughs> Thanks, Loco. Take care. Thanks, Adnan. Adnan Vert joining us. Our weekly chat down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Love chatting with that guy. He's the best. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Adnan S. Verk. Uh, He's MLB Network, NHL Network, Cinephile Podcast. The guy uh, does it all. Perfect way to head into the weekend. Uh, if you want to continue listening, Haley Salvian, the one and only, the wonderful Haley Salvian, uh, hopefully after we've uh, distinguished all ghosts and other uh, other paraphernalia that were coming into her line and technical difficulties yesterday, uh, she's back. She's got a great program ahead for you. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the flames and lightning tomorrow afternoon. We'll be back with you on Monday here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.